your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Welcome to the Monday edition of the Lockdown Longhorns podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. You can follow Cammy at Cammy and G and follow the show LO underscore Longhorns on Twitter. This episode of Lockdown Longhorns is brought to you by rockauto.com. Head over to rockauto.com to get all your automotive needs. Cammy, uh, we are back at it on a Monday. We're going to talk a lot about, we got to get into some negative news this morning. Uh, but hopefully we can get to some positive by the end of the show. Uh, I always like to start with the bad news first, right? Right. Get Let's get that out of the way. Well, first off, bad news is it's Monday. Okay. Nobody <laughs> writes a Monday. No. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a little rough for me this Monday. I don't know why. Just getting back into the swing of things. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you took the weekend <laughs> to relax, do whatever you got to do, you know, kind of recharge the batteries and come back on Monday and you're like, Ugh. Yeah, I like to get in the water on the weekend, so uh, it just I like to put I guess real life stuff aside, and then Monday hits me all at once. Yeah, it's that's you know it's um, I guess it's the equivalent to having a poor offensive line and they got zero blitz coming, <laughs> and you know you don't have enough to stop them, so it's like I just gotta keep my head above water, so to speak. Yeah, and coffee is the uh, football, I would say so. Speaking of, I need to get another glass of coffee, but yeah, it was we a call great week. cups down here in Texas, Cammy. Oh, what did I call it? A glass? A glass. Yeah, I'm not sure why I said that. I don't even think I call it glasses either. I've never heard you call it a glass in, in all <laughs> the either. in the almost decade that I've known you. Well, I guess uh, part of it being Monday, but anyways, yeah, let's, let's talk let's, about the news from the weekend. All right, so cancellations, right? We knew about this. Big Ten, right? Canceled. Uh, well, at least the non-conference, and then obviously, Pac-12 was followed suit. They are still waiting to hear on SEC, ACC, mm-hmm. Big Twelve. All expected to make decisions late July. Okay. However. We have the Patriot League, which has now canceled their season. Oh, Ivy League's moved to the spring. So, Cami, like, are you getting more worried by the day of having football with with the cancellation? Because it almost feels like canceling the the non-conference games is it's almost feels like that's just a step in the wrong direction. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's a step in the um, unfortunate side of things, but I think we mentioned uh, several weeks ago when we were talking about the situation that once it got towards the middle, towards the end, I guess, of July, we would kind of start freaking out in terms of whether we would have a season or not. And I think we're basically getting right to that point. So I think the non-conference game was a huge step in the opposite direction than uh, what we were hoping for. But um, I, I just think there's so many schedule conflicts with, I guess, uh, moving uh, the season to spring. Like we mentioned, um, they would have no time off by the time next fall came around one. Um, so many other sporting events and uh, major events are going on at that time. And then you got the NFL draft and things like that. So I just think there's too many, can- I guess, schedule conflicts to move it to the spring in terms of the FBS. 
but um, I have no idea what they're going to do this coming up season. Like um, I've kind of joked around with, I don't understand the difference from a conference and non-conference team in terms of, I guess, uh, health and safety in terms of the players. I mean, um, yeah, you can have no fans in the stands, things like that. Maybe they're trying to limit travel. I understand that aspect of it, but uh, it's just odd to me and it's, I guess, unprecedented. So you really can't hate on how they're handling it at the moment. How would how would how would this sound? So eleven a.m. Mm-hmm. You're heading on over to Daryl K. Royal Memorial Stadium, Texas Memorial Stadium, on a Saturday in the spring. You're yeah. going to take in some Texas football. As soon as that yeah. game's over, you head on over to the Frank Irwin Center. You're going to check out some. <laughs> no. And then once uh, that game's over, you got the night game at the Dish, where you're going to watch the Longhorns play a little baseball, oh, hang out with our guys at Occupied Left Field. That doesn't sound enticing to you i mean don't get me wrong as a fan it certainly does but um just like that like what if i don't know you have you want to go watch several games that probably will overlap at some points and i i don't know i guess for me more of the schedule conflicts aren't necessarily on campus they're um for example like the nfl draft and um obviously having to turn around from a spring season to a fall season so um just a lot of variables that you have to take into consideration well recently saw this report a medical experts and this is from usa today believe that moving to a conference only schedule is actually a step in the right direction uh for simple for simple reasons that they feel like you can control the the factors a little better mm-hmm. it's a controlled environment um you know and and also removing non-conference may remove teams from having to go into a hotbed for this coronavirus right. going to a texas going to a florida you know, those type of areas. So I understand that. But in, in a similar move, it was reported by The Athletic over the weekend that the junior college football, I guess the NG, the NJCAA, National Junior College Athletic Association, mm-hmm. has decided to move their football season to the spring. And so my question is, First off, moving to the spring. Now, we'll get into the impact on some of the things that it's going to involve here in just a second. But as far as the impact of just moving it to the spring, mm-hmm. I honestly don't see the point. Yeah. Because I feel like like if we were making progress towards a vaccine, if we were making progress towards controlling the virus, I could understand. Because mm-hmm. uh, to me, I think it's... Honestly, it should be one of two decisions. You're either going to play in football this fall and try to limit the opportunities for contracting the disease, or you're canceling football altogether. Right. I, I don't see moving it to the spring as an actual something that'll actually help because, like I said, there's no progress that we're seeing there. And then, and then you talk about the impact it's going to have on some of those other events. Like you said, an NFL draft. How do they do that? NFL says that they're – or they haven't officially said, but the feeling is that they wouldn't move it. Right. So what's the impact on recruiting? Oh, God, for Juco, I think that's uh, pretty significant considering um, a lot of them like to, uh, I guess, commit in December. So obviously that would be before uh, their season is even played. And obviously a lot of those players are trying to prove themselves on the field. And so they're going to get a late look and probably be late additions. So that'll significantly impact them. But 
Uh, yeah, I'm kind of where you are in terms of either it's going to be played in a controlled environment and maybe a shorter, shortened season or not at all. I just don't see the spring um, them being able to work out those schedule conflicts in any way. Yeah, on the big noon football show on Fox Sports, uh, former head coach Urban Meyer came out and said there's no chance the NCAA uh, or the FBS will move to spring football. Right. You know, so, um, you know, it's going to be interesting. And, and the fact that JUCO, the JUCO router are moving to the spring, that really hurts, I think, recruiting a little bit for, for two reasons. These kids that are going to be signing to play college football uh, for a major university, mm-hmm. they're not going to get the opportunity to play before they need to sign because they usually sign in December. Uh, you know, in the uh, Tyler Junior College out in East Texas, that you know, one of their coaches said maybe they could get a few scrimmages together just so they can put some tape together for these kids to try and get them recruited. Um, you know, so I, you know, I think it, it factors in there. Um, right. And then obviously moving to the spring, like you said, like we both don't think it's feasible because you're going to play a season. Let's, let's just say, you know, and I put together a, a projected schedule on Longhorns wire. So you're going to play in February to March and April. And then obviously there's going to be like a bowl season. Yep. You know, because they're because the NCAA is going to try and get their money any way that they can. Yeah, which they should, I guess, but still. I mean, yeah, I mean, it is it is what it is. So they're going to have a bowl season. You know, how how deep does that go? Mid May, um, and then and then you turn around and you've got a month and a half to <laughs> yeah. get ready before camp happens again. And, and the thing that I have a problem with that is a month and a half. Uh, how many players are going to have to surgery after the season's over? Mm-hmm. That's their uh, downtime uh, for surgeries, uh, rehab, all kinds of stuff, rest their bodies, get ready. Yep. Many of them maybe even go into the NFL, getting ready for NFL rookie camp, which would be even shorter than that. So, yeah, it's just – I yeah, it's not feasible in my opinion. Yeah, because you think about that, like the NFL – so they would wrap up season May. Let's say they got drafted. You know, maybe they treat it like the MLB draft while they draft them while they're still playing. Right. Right. And so they get drafted. Let's just say they played the national championship game in May. Rookie camps are like two weeks away. So it's just like, boom, it's like they're right back in it. So, you know, that's that's an interesting thing uh, that we really wanted to get into because that's a a tough deal. But coming up next, we're going to get into a couple watch lists and and talk a little bit more about a conference-only schedule. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Rock Auto. We've talked a lot about COVID-19, the coronavirus, the pandemic. You don't want to get out, and you don't want to make yourself susceptible to getting, contracting the coronavirus. The great thing is, let's say you need a fuel pump for your car, a tailgate for your truck, or you're just looking for some aftermarket parts. Head on over to rockauto.com. They have everything you need right there, all makes, all models, all the different packages, all convenient, low price, guaranteed. I want you to check them out. I know I've used them. I've needed a few things for my truck. You know, I had to, I recently had to get a new compressor for my air conditioner because in Texas it's hot. It's real hot. So, you know, I had to get with them, get the new compressor in, and now I'm blowing cold air in my truck. It's fantastic. I'm not driving around with the windows down. Head on over to rockauto.com. Tell them Locked on Longhorn sent you. So in the month of July, it seems like it's watch list season. Oh, yeah. And so 
let's dive into that a little bit. Uh, we had the lot impact trophy watch list in which we had one Joseph Asai. Mm-hmm. He should be on probably several watch lists this offseason. Yes. Yeah, so now we have the new watch list that just came out this morning, the Chuck Bedarek watch list. Mm-hmm. Amy, do you know much about the Chuck Bedarek trophy? And I'm pretty sure I, I am destroying that name. <laughs> Not um, in terms of all the details and uh, I guess uh... – I guess requirements to become, I guess, uh, a player on that watch list. But I do know it's a defensive award that uh, people highly covet. Yeah. So the award is actually goes to the uh, basically the top defensive player in all of college football. Oh, cool. Uh, it's presented by the Maxwell Football Club. Um, if you've heard the Maxwell Trophy going to the top college football player. Um, Amy, do you know if any Texas Longhorns have ever won this trophy? Um, not recently, so, um, I'm sure they have in the past. Our defense is really good, but, um, <laughs> like I mentioned, not, they haven't been very great recently that I can think of someone who just, they um, stands actually, out. They actually have not ever received that trophy. That trophy's only actually started being given out in 1995. The very first winner was Pat Fitzgerald, who's the current head coach at Northwestern. Wow, I was thinking maybe someone from Colt McCoy's era, that defense might have. You know, that's uh, surprising. That, that. Really surprising that a uh, a player of, like, Brian Arakpo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that Brian Arakpo won the Bronco Nagurski Award, which is actually a similar award, but it's given out by the Football Writers of Association of America, FWAA. Uh, most recent winner for that one was uh, – Chase Young at Ohio State. Uh, but as far as the Bednarik Trophy, we have two Texas Longhorns that are listed on the watch list. Joseph Asai, not a big surprise there. Not really, not in terms of his projections and expectations this upcoming season. And I think the other one is um, kind of along the same route because Caden Stearns is obviously the other one, and he's projected uh, within a late first to second round draft pick this upcoming season. And he's been dealing with some injuries over the last season or so, and uh, his talent is there. He just has to stay on the field. So um, they both need to have big seasons to kind of fulfill those projections. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things where I expect a lot to hear. Those were two of the names that I expected to hear the most among trophy watch lists this season. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we're all on the offensive side of the ball. We're going to be keeping an eye out for Sam Ellinger. Uh, he's going to be a top watch list for multiple probably. Yeah, I was going to say, Heisman contender is definitely up there. Uh, Heisman contender. Um, Big 12 player of the year, maybe. Johnny Unitas, I think it's Johnny Mm -hmm. Unitas Award, which is given to the top senior quarterback, or maybe it's the Manning Award. I mean, there's so many different, like, awards that can be given out, the Maxwell Trophy. Sam Ellinger is going to be up there with a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's not surprising. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball, like we said, the Bednarik, then we also have the the Bronco Nagurski Award. Uh, you have the Outland Trophy, which is given to the best offensive lineman. So Samuel Cosby, he's going to be up there. Oh and yeah. So so the, you got all these watch lists that are going to be coming out in the in the coming weeks, and uh, we're starting now with with the defensive guys. So 
it's going to be really important if they have a season for those guys that have big seasons, they can get, you know, take home some hardware when they do the college football award ceremony after the season. Do you listen to the Bud, the Barton and Bud podcast that's produced by 24 seven sports? I kind of just see snippets on it uh, on Twitter, I guess, floating around, but I don't necessarily uh, listen to it religiously. I am. I'm going to be real honest. I don't listen to it. But <laughs> this one caught my eye. You listen to it if it has to do with something uh, important or the Longhorns or et cetera. Yeah, you know, if if I see it and it catches my eye, I'll I'll go check it out. So right. I was listening to the show this this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And they had a fan. It was during their mailbag, and they were asking a bunch of, you know, hypotheticals. Right. Would Ohio State win the SEC if they replaced Alabama? Would Oregon win the Big Ten if they replaced Ohio State? What about would Texas A&M win the Pac-12 if they replaced Oregon? And then this question. Would Texas win the ACC if they replaced powerhouse Clemson? I think that's a great question and one I kind of had to uh, debate with myself back and forth. But, yeah, I think obviously they come into every season with high expectations that they don't necessarily fulfill. So um, I agree that they would probably be the favorites in the ACC. It's just a matter of consistency. Um, Any one of those teams could just up and surprise them. I know UNC is actually up and coming and uh, they look like they'll be pretty solid for the foreseeable future. But yeah, I think they have the talent to be favored in that ACC conference, I would say. Yeah, the argument they made is that Texas would probably be favored, but they would still take the field. As far as the the rest mm-hmm. of the conference, they would they would take one of those guys. It would be interesting to see a Tom Herman versus Mac Brown matchup, Texas mm-hmm. and North Carolina. You know, mm-hmm. especially for the storylines, that would be fantastic to to really tune into to that. Uh, do you think that they would be able to withstand? You know, some of those as they put a more scrappy teams. Uh, that that's what bothers me because of obviously they have a little uh, a consistency is their Achilles heel each season. So um, even though they can play with teams like LSU, they'll uh, fall to a team like TCU or, or have trouble with Kansas or something along those lines. So um, I think that would be their biggest issue there. I think they have the talent to run the table there, honestly, but um, I just don't trust them with some of those scrappy teams. So hopefully that changes with this new coaching staff and player development and things like that. Well, the you know it's interesting you bring up the those scrappy teams. I mean, a team like Virginia Tech, I think, would give them a ton of trouble, right? Because Virginia they're Tech, really good they on have... special teams, mm-hmm. they're really good on defense. So it's like, oh, yeah, I agree. Uh, but the the North Carolina would be interesting. North Carolina State, uh, you know, if so, they they went on to say if you could take Texas and put them in any conference, and they're essentially replacing the best team from that conference uh where would you put texas to to almost guarantee a conference championship what do you think is their easiest path to a championship that's tough because i would you want to be in a conference like that or would you want to play or would you want to play the best team so that it comes down to a potentially uh indicators for the college football playoffs so i don't know that's tough i mean i do think acc is one of the most um attractive i i obviously like the big 12 so i don't know where would you put them 
I think that they would run the conference if they stuck them over in the Pac-12. Yeah. I don't think um, there's a team in the Pac-12 uh, outside of Oregon. Yeah. And- that would really give them trouble. Like, I don't trust Washington to win a big game. I don't right. trust USC at all. UCLA, eh. You know, when you look at the the Pac-12 as a whole, I you know I think the teams that will probably give them the most trouble are probably Stanford, because mm-hmm. uh, they're a very well coached team. Um, their big question is, you know, what are they going to do a quarterback? Uh, and then and then talk about you know Washington, man, but Oregon. But if they're replacing the best team, they're probably replacing Oregon. So I think that Texas right. runs away with it. And you know that was kind of the argument that, that that Barton and Bud were making as well, because, you know, they kind of switched it up, said, where would you put them? And that, that's kind of, I feel like the same too. I think the Pac-12, um, you know, so, you know, it was just an interesting hypothetical that really caught my eye. Yeah. I, I mean, I like questions like that and I like hypotheticals that really make you think because um, some people throw out hypotheticals that are just no brainers. You know, you're like, Oh, no way I would do that. Or yeah, duh, that's an obvious decision. So this one actually makes you think and, um, but when it comes down to it, I guess for Texas, it's all about consistency, no matter what conference they're in. Yeah, with the current state of athletics, it seems like hypotheticals and, and bad news are all we have <laughs> right, right now. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, there's the recruiting front. There's, you know, all these different aspects to look into. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. Yep, I agree. And um, do we have any good news to talk about or what? Because they seem the Madden 21 rookie ratings are out. How about that? Oh, good. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, Okay, so Madden rookie ratings, we have. We'll start with Devin Duvernay. Okay. So according to his ratings on Madden, they gave him a 92 in speed, 91 in acceleration. 68 in strength, 87 agility, 67 awareness, 84 catch, 78 carry, 79 break tackle, 84 jump, 77 return, mm-hmm. 92 injury, 88 stamina for an overall rating of a 71. Nice. But wow, that was high on that uh, injury. So, but I guess it makes sense. He didn't miss a single game in his entire collegiate career. Well, check this one out. We all have to. We also have Colin Johnson, because mm-hmm. they gave him a speed of 86, acceleration of 89, strength of 70, agility 84, awareness 69, a catch 82. I don't know if I think it's an 82. I think it should be higher than that, because he makes yeah, his, it crazy. I was going to say, yeah, his catch radius is just out of this world. So uh, uh, we've seen some of his circus catches that just make you drop your jaw. Like, how did he even reach that ball? But um, and while staying in bounds, so. Yeah, I feel like it could be a little higher, maybe the late 80s. Uh, let's see here. Uh, carry, 73. Break tackle, 71. His jump was a 90. Return, 45. His injury is 86, which I thought was a bit high considering how often he's injured. Mm-hmm. Stamina, 88 for an overall of a 67. Mm, yeah, I kind of agree with the overall, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the it's fair, especially for a guy where he was selected. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't think that they're going to give him a top rating, do you? I right. mean, as far as, you know, what they're going to give him right now. Um, you know, but uh, coming up next, we're going to get into Bleacher Reports, Defense, you, and updated bowl projections from 24-7 Sports. Amy, you've heard the term defense, you. Mm-hmm. Right? You've heard DBU. 
linebacker you, quarterback you. Yeah, there's always debates on who's DBU. All right. Well, we're not going to get into a DBU debate here. We're going to go into a defensive U debate. Bleacher Report put together their top schools as far as top defensive prospects who head off to the NFL over the last 50 years, 1970 to 2020. The Texas Longhorns did not make the top three. However, they were the first team on the outside looking in. Oh, interesting. You know, because they talked about, and, and it was interesting because I looked at it, and they were they were talking about there was not like no premier elite defensive players that came out of Texas, but they had a bunch of really good ones. You know, if you're talking about Earl Thomas, Jerry Gray, I mean, and then you took about Casey Hampton on the defensive front, mm-hmm. Ryan Arakpo, yeah, uh, yeah, Michael Hoff. I mean, there there were a lot of names that were in there, but did that su- does that surprise you at all that they were just on the outside? It's just kind of interesting because by doing 1970 to current, that removes one of the best defenders to ever play at the University of Texas, and that's Tommy Nobis. Right. Yeah, I mean, kind of. I, they have a long storied history, I guess, with uh, several uh, top players that we just mentioned on the defensive side of the ball. But from a recent aspect, it's hard to understand that just because they've been so inconsistent. I mean, they've been one of, the, especially pass rush, one of the worst units in football the last few seasons. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's fairly realistic. I think they can eventually get up to that uh, top notch uh, defensive play. But right now they're just not there. Yeah, and and I think that having a coach like Chris Ash can help in that regard, uh, obviously because he's coached some really top defensive players. So it's going to be really interesting to see if how that changes moving forward. And um, so, but I want to talk about real quick. Want to get into some news here that uh, just recently broke. Uh, Texas interim president Jay Hartzell says the eyes of Texas will stay yeah and I, I thought that was uh definitely interesting because <clears throat> i know they've been going through several meetings i know interim president crystal conte coaching students um player uh, yeah just pretty much everyone came together and have been me- having these meetings over the last few weeks and i think one of the primary suggestions from the student uh base was that um if the song, obviously, Eyes of Texas and that tradition, that story tradition at that uh, were to remain the same, whether or not the athletes were required to stay on the field to participate in it. So I think that part is still in question. Um, but, yeah, it's significant news that they're um, not altering the lyrics to that song in any way, that it will be played after every game still. So um, that's obviously big breaking news because that's been a major uh, topic all around college football, actually, not just around Austin over the last few weeks. So and the players have been tweeting uh, and obviously the news just broke minutes ago and they seem to be pleased about a lot of the changes that um, they are doing and they have announced things like that. I know uh, they're changing a couple of names of some facilities and uh, putting up uh, different statues and things like that. So they seem overall pleased. I think it's just probably going to be a team decision on how uh, the actual players handle the eyes of Texas song. Right, and and just recently, DeMarvian Overshone, who's been very vocal about it, just tweeted out, we are one with the hook'em emoji. So, um, you know, it seems like he's pleased by it, and, and, you know, hopefully that means that he, as as well as Juwan Mitchell, uh, Mm -hmm. will be taking the field 
or at least participating in the off-season workouts. So we know DeMar, you know, Rashawn has been at his home in Arp, Texas during this time. Um, you know, but that's going to be interesting. And, and we'll dive more into all of these changes as, as we as we hear about them uh, and what Chris Del Conte, the Texas athletic director, has to say about all of that. But we're going to dive back into some college football talk here with the updated bowl projections. Ooh, let me guess. <laughs> guess away. Uh, um I mean, the two primary ones are either we're playing USC or we're in the Alamo Bowl again. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> you got both of them. I know. It's like it's either Texas in the Alamo Bowl against whoever or Texas versus USC. You know, it's interesting. If you looked at the ESPN FPI, which is the football power index, they have them projected to win nine games. 9.5 is what they have meant. Ooh. If you win that many games, you're not playing in an Alamo Bowl. And if you're playing USC, it's going to be in something like a Cotton Bowl. Yeah, I agree. Or a one of the New Year's Six Bowl games. But I don't know. To me, the projection of an Alamo Bowl, does it, not, does it not seem lazy to you? I mean, I think it does, but it kind of falls along the same path of how they've been finishing recently. So... I don't know. Hopefully they can take a next step forward this season. But the, the, the thought process is because I feel like, and I projected Texas to win you know, 10 games this year mm-hmm. if they play a full schedule. Right. I still feel like they're going to be in a New Year's Six Bowl game, whether that be the Cotton Bowl I, or, or something like that. I think so, too. I think um... – the New York Six Bowl game is probably uh, the lowest end of the spectrum in terms of how they'll finish uh, the season. I'm hoping they can obviously squeak into the college football playoffs. We've both actually predicted them to win the Big 12 this season. So their expectations are definitely higher. So I think the Alamo Bowl is kind of, um, I don't know, I guess, what would you call that? I guess you um, are content with the ending, but it's not really what you strive for. So, Right, yeah. yeah. It's like... Yeah, it kind of that whole it is what it is, right? Right. Uh, you know, but but you think about it like the defense. I think we all agree the defense was the reason for some of their losses. I'm not going to say all of them because oh, obviously sure, yeah. you, can up, you can talk about the TCU game and and Sam Ellinger was terrible. Or LSU on third and what was that twenty something? Uh, oh gosh. Yeah, yeah. And so you talk about the defense, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I went back and looked, but uh, you know, it's like. Chris Ash defense and somebody will bring up and say, oh, well, you know, if you look at his total defense numbers at Rutgers, they were terrible. Uh, mm-hmm. and, but I think the level of talent actually fixes that because when you look at his defenses that he had at Wisconsin, when you look at his defense that he had at Ohio State, they were really good defenses, top right. 20 in total defense in, in the country. Mm-hmm. And they have that level of talent that I think Texas has and Texas will continue to get. And especially if you got a coach like Jay Valai, who's continuously going to get in the top tier cornerback talent, I think that's only going to help them. And so when I look at that, I think the defense is going to be much improved this season. I think that having a pass rush um, and once Prince Dorba is ready to go, he's going to get involved. The Marvin Overshone sounds like he's going to be ready to go, which was a big question mark. What are they going to do at linebacker? Right. Um, you know, it remains to be seen. I mean, it seemed like positive with what he had to say, but we'll see when they actually uh, get him back on campus. But 
it's positive, but I think when you look at everything involved, I think that I think Texas defense is going to be much better this time around. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Make sure you tune in to your favorite team on the Locked On Podcast Network. For Cammie, I'm Patrick. Keep it locked on. Welcome. Okay.